0: This is the Tornado Trackers Podcast. The Tornado Trackers are storm chasers Jeremy Heyman, Jeff Mangum, and me, Gabe Cox.
1: Hey, I'm Jeremy. I'm Gabe. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the Tornado Trackers Podcast. This is uh, the best podcast on the internet about storm chasing severe weather, and the best three friends in the entire world. I'll say that. I'll say spring. that right now. hand hearts on the screen. <laughs> hand hearts. <Yep. laughs> How you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good.
2: Yeah, doing, doing real well.
1: It's springtime. Feeling it is. good, the sun's
0: out. Got my first two tornadoes of the season on film.
1: Come on now. Pretty
0: stoked about that. Saw awesome. six total. Mm.
1: Ah, beautiful. There's some beautiful, good. beautiful shots. Check those out uh, on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash tornado trackers. Um, Texas
2: Panhandle. Beautiful.
0: Panhandle magic. It, Love that place. It, and it, until the canyon shows up.
2: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. What? Which canyon is that? That's the Palo. The Palo
0: Duro Canyon. Mm. Yeah. Or Cap Caprock Canyon also. Isn't,
2: isn't there something about how tornadoes can form really close to that canyon? Is there... I was reading something about that on, on the tweeter.
1: I've heard of something like that too. Yeah, like the geographic lift. What is it called? I don't want to Orographic say- Orographic lift? Orographic.
0: I don't know if that's right. Big that's word. That's the first word that came to my mind. That sounds great. <laughs> I may have made it up.
1: <laughs> that's science right there. That's science. I'm going to read this. Orographic lift occurs when an air mass is forced from a low elevation to a higher elevation as it moves over rising terrain. Bam. So
2: there you go. You did I remember it. years ago chasing in Floyd data, Texas, and seeing one of, if not the most picturesque, supercell mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Yes. And on the way there, there was there was a storm chaser. His name is David Drummond, and I remember him posting about how that lift was a key ingredient to the storm's firing off. so Wow. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Weather is crazy. Um, Well, we have some crazy stories uh, to share with y'all today. Um, We've been thinking about this quite a bit. I know uh, you guys have been thinking about this for like the last five years, four or five years. (laughs) Um, But today, we want to talk about the April 29th, 2017 um, series of tornadoes that took place in Canton, Texas. Um. So these there was about how many tornadoes that day, fellas? With like five or six tornadoes that y'all were close to.
2: I'm seeing here, National Weather Service confirmed seven tornadoes hit east of DFW on that Saturday. So, okay. um, and
0: all very localized. Yeah. I know seven doesn't sound like a lot, but it was in a very small area.
1: And
2: they very. were powerful yeah. tornadoes
1: too. So, guys this is a kind of a recurrent theme in tornado trackers history. It's Jeremy wasn't there, um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is just another, a tale of being a, a part of a team of storm chasers and uh, not just a team, but uh, three friends um, and kind of what the three of us were going through in each of our respective locations. And, um, through the power of telecommunications, right? We can be f- fairly connected. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll hear Gabe kind of lost some of that connection in, in the tale, but um, we we all kind of s- experience this this event in our own way, in our own place. Um, and it's it's really it's uh, fellas. I know for y'all, I don't want to speak for y'all, but I, I, I'm guessing you know this is this was a kind of a seminal moment in y'all's chase careers and in y'all's lives too um so i'm very excited to to dive in and kind of hear um the narrative from y'all's perspectives but um kick us off kind of at the beginning um how did the day begin what were y'all expecting and and where were y'all at
2: (laughs) gabe and i are both nodding (laughs) at each other about who should who should doctor doctor (laughs) who should start this one well um I think the whole story, there's so many stories within this story, because mm-hmm. it really is like a um, moment after moment after moment of just kind of these compelling stories that we were going through. The way it started was we were in Lawton, Oklahoma, and uh, we kind of stayed the night there. And, you know, as we typically do, we slept in the car. But as the early morning came, we we started seeing that there was a shift and what the Storm Pre- uh, Prediction Center and a lot of the models were showing. And sh- long story short is we found ourselves driving over 300 miles uh, that next morning. And I think it's one of the things that we talk about with storm chasing. Um, you kind of have to release some of your expectations and, and release some of the... Uh, expectations of be, being in a certain place and you kind of have to adapt with the atmosphere and the atmosphere was pushing everything to East Texas that day.
0: We uh, we fully expected a squall line that day. I, I think most people did. Actually, we knew some some chasers who just called the day off and, and didn't even bother with, and, with and that Gabe, setup. what,
1: what is a squall line and why would storm chasers not maybe be interested in that?
0: Yeah, so squall lines basically just a solid line of storms that move through and you get straight line winds and some hail with it occasionally, but it's not ideal for tornadoes. You can get quick, uh, messy spin-ups on it that don't last very long. Um, but for storm chasers, you want to see individual cells, uh, thunderstorms, um, and those, those will typically be more conducive to tornadoes. Um, and so we didn't expect those individual storms. We thought it was going to be just a really messy storm day, but we were out already, and we said let's let's time lapse. like let's let's get some footage of these storms coming towards us. we'll We'll make the best of it. And one of the unique things about that day uh, was that Jeff had to go back to Austin at the end of the day, and I was out. I had flown out from Florida. I was living in Florida at the time, and I flew out, and I had a rental car. Um and I didn't have to go anywhere after that chase event. So we decided early that morning, to take two cars that way when we were done chasing, Jeff could go his way and I would go my way. Um, So that was a unique situation that we, we had never chased together, but in separate cars. If we were together, we were typically in the same car. Yeah. And that had a huge impact on the events of the day later on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in ways that of course we couldn't predict even down to like the choice of you know, you selecting like a a compact <laughs> little car. You know, th- yeah. which was which was made, makes sense. You know, well,
0: yeah. And to speak into that, let's get into the mental landscape of 2017, Gabe. So that year came after the Winniewood, Oklahoma tornado, which we covered in a previous episode. Um, also saw the Ray, Colorado tornado in 2016 and that was really the year that i i thought that oh you know what i could probably make a career out of storm chasing like i i might be able to pull this off somehow and so in in 2017 i'm entering with that frame of mind and up until then i had gone through a th- 3 year period where work was really difficult for me and it kind of felt like everything i touched fell apart And I'm sure most people have been there at some point in their life where it was just like failure after failure. And it was just like, what is happening? And -hmm. so, in 2016, I have this great success storm chasing, which is something I've always wanted to do anyway. And so, I had a death grip on it in (laughs) 2017. And I said, I'm going to make this work and I'm going to do everything I can to make it work. I'm going to hustle and I'm going to get the best footage I can get. And that was really a driving motivator for that entire chase trip. Uh, And I only had a month. I had a a few weeks to pull it off. Mm. And so I was going in, spending as little as I could so I could come out with as much as I could. And part of that was getting an extremely cheap rental car, which was this little compact (laughs) Ford Fiesta. I'm okay with throwing them under the bus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They threw you under the bus. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It was... It was a fine, it's a fine car if you're storm chasing on (laughs) pavement and making smart decisions. You don't have to say that about the Ford,
1: (laughs) you don't have to stand up for the Ford Fiesta.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was going to be driving in rain and that would be the worst of it. Again, I was still pretty new at at all of it. So, I, I didn't really have worst case scenarios built into my mind. So, here I am with high expectations and trying desperately to make something work and being completely motivated by that. Like in mm-hmm. 2017, the joy of storm chasing took a backseat because I needed to make a career out of it first.
1: What would you say you're like, during that month, what, what was your like emotional landscape? <laughs> it, what, was, it, was it desperation? Was it excitement? Was it a, like a combination of those things? I think it was a little bit of everything,
0: yeah. There was, there was desperation because... In 2016, I had tasted my dream for the first time in my life. So, my childhood dream is to be a storm chaser. 2016, got a taste of that and actually made some money off of it. And I thought, oh, cool. Like, all right, I'm going to do this now. So, 2017, I was desperate to make it work because I didn't want to have another failure.
2: You know, and and I think about um, how difficult that that is for storm chaser and as Gabe's describing kind of so much is dependent on what the atmosphere does. And Mm so it's, it's hard because you can be as disciplined as you, as someone wants to be, You, you can, you can drive to all the storms. If they don't happen, or if they don't happen when they need to uh, for the storm chaser, or where they need to for the storm chaser, then all that hard work just feels like exerting energy, time, lack of sleep, money, yep. and then and then there's not the the payoff. There's not the you know the dividend that comes with that. So um, I think this particular day was really similar because um, I was I was doing some you know post tornado analysis earlier today. And there there was something, there, there's something that we talk about called CAPE, which is convective available potential energy. And what that means is how much juice is in the atmosphere. Basically, the higher the number, uh, if you can get a storm to fire off, then there's a, a really good chance that a severe storm will occur. And the CAPE number and level was extraordinarily high that day in East Texas. And... I remember we were driving in our two separate cars and we were calling each other and you know uh trying to stay on the same page as we're driving and we knew the potential was there um but I think the way Gabe is describing the entire chase season I I think could be summed up in that day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just super briefly touch on you know where I was at and uh i was going through a life transition i was uh i had graduated from graduate school uh and was leaving a job that i was at an internship i was i was at and so i was at a um goodbye party actually in austin and yeah in a similar i don't know but different mind state of like make or break let's do this thing yeah um and and that really kind of defines a lot of our stories i think as as people and as, you know, storm chasers just trying to figure out life, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's hard and absolutely. you can't, you can't divorce those two. Like we're human beings and we yeah. live life. And so, um, pretty, pretty interesting, but th- that, that, will play into the, the tale a little bit later on. Uh, cause I, I, I didn't completely not serve a purpose <laughs> that day. <laughs> uh, okay. So the, this the scene is set, um, more or less,
2: we started th- that morning at Lawton, Oklahoma, and we ended up driving through Dallas-Fort Worth uh, through the Metroplex, which is always a joy to drive through. <laughs> and and we made our, our way to East Texas and we camped out in Sulphur Springs, which is a sizable town in Northeast Texas. And we just pulled off. Uh, no storms had fired off yet, but again, the opportunity was there. And so uh, we parked. I remember we we pulled off and we had some chairs. We put out some camping chairs. We started eating snacks. We <laughs> literally were just hanging out, waiting for storms to possibly fire off while we're sitting in some some camping chairs, <laughs> eating snacks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we had we had such low expectations for the day. I mean, I talk about my expectations for the trip in general were really high, but for that specific day, they were super low. But I think just before we got to to Sulphur Springs is when we started to realize that things might be a little bit different than we had expected because the sun came out fully. And then the cape that Jeff was mentioning before just shot through the roof because of that. The sun was heating up and boiling the atmosphere and we could see that. We started seeing these cumulus towers going up and the atmosphere was just starting to look turbulent. And it was already going better than we had hoped for at that point. So, now we're we're sitting in these lawn chairs eating beef jerky, getting fueled up for the day. And we noticed these storms going up to our south. And so, we threw everything in the back of the cars, got in and raced south. And there was this one storm, it was kind of a leader in the pack. And... The I remember looking at the radar, um, and there was rotation, a rotation signature that got pretty strong. And we must have gotten there seconds after it lifted, because you could still once once we got out of the rain, and we got to where this rotation was on the storm, you could still see the rotation in the clouds. Uh, but there was no tornado on the ground when we got there, um, and it 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 had to have just lifted because pretty soon we got. Re- Reports that there was storm damage uh, not far from where we were,
2: and, and and I'm driving in my car behind Gabe, and so I'm following Gabe, and we're both doing the best we can to drive, and then as safely as possible when we come to stop signs, we pull over, looking at radar, and this is when I was with a different cell phone provider that will go unnamed, <laughs> and I had the worst. Cell reception. Um, I was barely able to even communicate to Gabe. Like he he's uh, calling me. I'm getting some of the calls. Uh, I can even get my app to update on radar. So I'm I'm lagging about twenty minutes behind what the updated radar is. So this was the beginning of. Me just following Gabe and me being somewhat blind to radar and where we were going. And I just had to trust where he was going because we couldn't even have much of communication. So uh, that kind of sets the stage for the rest of the day. But we get to this uh, small town called Grand Saline. And that's where this tornado had just occurred. And we got there just seconds afterwards.
1: And so the day so far has gone from... eh, Maybe maybe something will happen. Maybe won't. It won't. To throwing everything into the cars, racing you know to the, to a new place, a new target area, and oh whoa, maybe even a tornado has occurred. We just missed it, but I mean the atmosphere seems like it's telling us that everything just changed. Everything yeah. just flipped around. And so what what are you guys going through in the, in the in that moment?
0: Yeah. Well, at that point, I thought we missed the the tornado of the day because still, I, I was still oblivious to the fact that the environment around us was becoming more and more conducive for tornadoes. And so, there was a first uh, bite of disappointment was, oh man, we like literally seconds behind this storm and we just missed the tornado of the day, like that's it, it's a bust. And so, we figured like, well, let's at least we can... We can go and we can scope out the damage. We can document the damage, make sure everyone's okay. And so we drove on these back roads until we found where the damage path was. Um, and Luckily, it was very minimal damage to the houses there. It was a smaller, weaker tornado. And uh, we checked on a neighbor there. And I had, at that point, um, talking about holding on to things with a death grip, I had just gotten a, a, a brand new camera. Uh, that shot in 4K, and that was the first season I had taken it out. And um, it was, was a big rated. deal five,
1: four years ago. That was a it, big deal to it have was a 4K a, camera. It
0: was a big deal. It was the best camera I'd ever had, and mm-hmm. there was no way I was going to allow anything to happen to it. Even though it said it had weatherproofing body, I was like, I'm not taking chances. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to take this out of the car in the rain to document the damage. I'll use my phone instead. And since then, I've taken that camera out in six hurricanes now. It's gone fully submerged in the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> once.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I can attest to I've that. I've tested the weather proving. It's great. I should have grabbed that camera.
1: Name drop that camera because... I, uh,
0: that is the Lumix GH5. I am a forever fan. So, uh, first regret of the day was not grabbing that camera and grabbing my phone instead. So, I'm out of the car, in the rain, documenting this damage, um, trees down, um, some shingles off the houses, and interviewing the woman who was there, make sure she was okay. And again, the day the day was just getting going. Nobody expected what was about to happen, so no one was really on alert as far as I could tell, but Jeff and I were one of the first ones there.
2: And this was the first time, and really, I think the only time that I've ever stepped foot on a freshly um, tornadoed lawn. Like it, there, yeah. I I've videoed this to where you can actually see all the deep swirl marks in this front yard of yep. where the tornado had gone through, which was just fascinating to see because it was a weak tornado. Um uh, being able to to see where the tornado left its mark, not just by seeing where trees had fallen over or been been thrown to the side, but actually seeing in the ground evidence of where a tornado was just minutes previously. there was something really unique about that
1: okay, so y'all have witnessed you know a, a f- the fresh ground of an e f zero tornado um And so the chase is on for all intents and purposes, um, cell service is spotty. That's frustrating. Uh, unfortunately we have to rely on (laughs) cell service. That is always just a a thorn in our side. I feel like, um, and y'all are in two separate vehicles. And so the, it's, it's an, the, the odds are stacked in an interesting way in this chase. I mean, it's, it's, it's not ideal whatsoever.
2: So we're checking out uh, those who have just kind of endured this, this tornado, making sure they're okay. Gabe's having a conversation with a woman whose, whose house was still in good condition, but trees had been thrown everywhere. We found there was another house across the street where trees were everywhere, but by and large, everyone was okay. And it is pouring down rain. I mean, so hard. And so instead of getting our cameras out, we're kind of using our phones to um, take some video or document the damage. Um, And as the rain pours down, it also pours very specifically onto Gabe's phone.
0: (laughs) It's like that little cloud on Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Just hovered over my phone. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm I'm documenting, like Jeff said, we had gone across the street to another neighbor and um, I'd looked down at my phone and another tornado warning had been issued. Yeah, we're gonna be careful though. There's no tornado warning coming. We got to keep a close eye on the radar. That was the moment that I realized this day was going to be very different than we had planned. And um, I hadn't had a chance to see what had evolved since we started documenting the damage Um, and sure enough, new cells were firing to the south and one went tornado warned and we started to hear reports of a confirmed tornado on the ground. So I tell Jeff, hey, we got to get out of here. It's coming this way. Let's hit the road. And I told the neighbors, you guys need to take shelter. There are more tornadoes on the way. And just as I hop back in my car to start driving, my phone turns off. I thought the battery died, so I plug it in, nothing, um, tried everything I could, and when I took the case off, the case was just completely filled with water, and I realized my phone had just gotten fried by the rain. That is my sole source of communication, my sole source of data and radar, uh, my maps. I had nothing at that point, and so... All of this pressure on this chase trip came to a head in that moment because I knew, A, I couldn't get the footage up that I needed to, uh, and B, I lost all my means of communication and uh, ways to chase safely, and that the day was done for me. Like I couldn't do anything on my own, and I just immediately became enraged, and also I was thinking that I had to buy a new phone. So it was that at an expense. Uh, and I just got so upset because the the driving factor of that entire trip was me trying to make a career out of storm chasing and in that second that my phone turned off, I lost that day.
1: And and you use the word enraged, and that's a that's a strong, powerful emotional experience. You explained about it a little bit, but like what what was your rage directed at in that moment? Uh I think circumstances
0: um mainly it was not to to anyone it what felt like another thing that I was touching that was falling apart mm. um which was coming from years of things falling apart for me it felt like great here we go again and um I know I know if you just take it as a one off like oh dude you just lost your phone like that happens but it was a it was a just a series of events the leading context, up to it. Yeah. yeah. And so it was years of frustration just hm. coming to a peak.
1: Wow. That's that's powerful. I, I, I really I'm sitting here, I, I'm really feeling, yeah, that experience and in that context. And that's I mean, not an ideal emotional state to be in while on a tornado chase. Right. Yeah. Like it's a roller coaster for sure, and you're gonna experience a lot of different emotions, but that's a that's a hard, hard place to be, man.
0: Hard place to be and a dangerous place to be when you need to have your head in the right spot, especially on a day that's evolving very fast and very differently than we had expected.
2: And just think about the roller coaster we're, we're talking about. And we talk about this often with swarm chasing. 30 minutes earlier, we're in lawn chairs with <laughs> tremendous anticipation. Like we are hopeful and we're yep. excited and we're like, it's all happening. And then 30 minutes later, we are now in two cars. Um, Gabe is in the lead. His phone is gone. Uh, we're in a very wooded area. I mean, just so many trees, tall pine trees. You can barely, you barely have a visual, so you're relying on, on radar to even get you places. Um, my phone is barely working because of, of my network not working very well. So we are in a hot mess. I mean, we're in two cars, we can't communicate, we can't see anything, we don't know where we're going, we don't know what's coming, besides that, things are going really well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I flagged Jeff down as soon as my, I realized my phone went out, and we stop on the side of the road, and he's the one that tells me now, not only is it a, a confirmed tornado heading towards us, it's a confirmed mile-wide tornado heading towards us, and it was close. Uh, I I got a a peek of his radar and saw it coming right towards us. Mm. And that was the last radar image I saw that day. Um, So he shows me the radar image and I said, hey, it is not safe for me to be in this car alone without any information or way to navigate. I'll hop in the car with you. Day saved. Smart decision. Should have probably done it in the first place.
2: Get here. It's going to pass right through here get right here. It's a big boy. It's coming this way. Huh? I'm going to park and hop in. Let's do it. I cannot. Sorry, dude.
0: So I hop in his car immediately and we drive off and we're driving as far as we can until we, we think we're out of the damage path. When it crosses my mind that, oh, wait, we just left my rental car in the damage path of this tornado. <laughs> I don't wanna have to pay for that. I can't pay for that. Cause I got the really cheap insurance <laughs> on that thing. <laughs> and so again, a wave of rage hits and like, oh shoot, like, come on, we gotta go back. I'm so sorry. We, we're gonna have to do this really fast. I gotta go get my car. That
2: thing's not stopping you kind of soon. Oh, what? It's car. It's gonna hit my car. Um.
0: just was not in the right headspace at that time should not have left the car there but we did it and had to go back and get it so jeff jeff drops me off as i'm getting out of the car jeff looks over and he sees through the rain curtains the mile wide wedge approaching our location so i'm scrambling to get out of the car jeff sees this wedge for the first time i run to the car and i said let's just go this direction i point down the road I should not have been making the calls because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any information. But I thought, you know, let's just drive as fast as we can in this direction. We'll get out of the damage path because last I knew it was coming right to where we were. I hop in my car, so angry about how the day is going. And now, granted, I owned a minivan back in Florida And I will say the turning radius on that minivan was a hundred times better than the turning (laughs) radius on a Ford Fiesta. Throwing you under the bus again, Ford Fiesta. (laughs) I was so mad. I I did not even attempt to make a three-point turn. I just cut the wheel and stepped on it to get out of there. And the passenger side tires caught the mud on the side of the road. It had been pouring out. So it was just pure mud on the side of the roads. And as soon as that happened, the whole car got pulled into deep mud into this ditch that was flooding because of the rain. And as it happens, a poetic bolt of cloud ground lightning strikes right in front of me. I scream, the water splashes over the hood of the car. And in my GoPro footage, there's Jeff a half mile down the road and he's full eyes on the wedge like he should be getting the heck out of Dodge. It just sunk down to the point where it was starting to come into, it was seeping into the back seat. The ditch was flooded so much. Jeez. So at that point, I'm stuck. And the last image I had seen on Jeff's phone was confirmed mile wide wedge coming straight from my location. So I didn't know how long I had. I thought I had a couple minutes. Um, Jeff had already had a visual on it. So it was close enough to see. Now it was completely rain wrapped. I couldn't see it at all. It was just behind a curtain of rain. So I'm I'm at a point where I'm not even sure what direction I'm looking. Um, and I think that was the first time that I empathized with typical human beings who don't care about the weather, who get caught in these situations. It's the first time I realized, like, this is really disorienting. I don't know which way I'm looking. I don't know where the tornado is. I'm pretty sure it's coming towards me because that's what the radar said. And it's a mile wide. So... Even if I get out on foot and try to run a half mile in either direction, I'm just throwing a dart in the dark Mm -hmm. and I could be running straight into it. And there were no houses around. Uh, There was one trailer home that was nearby. And so, I thought, you know what? I'm in the safest place I can be and I'm going to get as low as I can in my car. Um, Putting my camera on the dashboard to catch whatever happens. But before I I took cover, I had the the frame of mind to make a goodbye video and put the camera on the dashboard and just smeared my face in the passenger seat and prayed hard. And just before I put my head down, I could start to see branches and leaves start coming in through the air, which is the first sign that a tornado is nearby. It's Mm -hmm. the light vegetation starts coming in and I just... Laid down and prayed Well I am Stuck in the mud There is a confirmed tornado Heading straight towards me My phone has died I have nowhere to go So This is the end I love my family Meredith You're amazing Megan and Kylie, you're incredible girls. I know you'll grow up to be amazing women. There's debris coming in. Yep, there's debris falling. Oh my god. I see the edge of the circulation. Here it comes. Here it comes. got really windy and about 30 to 40 seconds later which seemed like an eternity i sat up and realized i think it somehow missed me and it turns out that this tornado had uh, it was moving northeast and towards the end of its life it turned more to the north and that northern turn moved it just far enough down the road where it missed my car oh my god tornado just went down the road from here while I am stuck in my car in a ditch I've literally just barely made out of this one and so at that point I realized oh gosh I'm alive I'm not gonna die this is amazing I need to get this car out of the ditch before it rains anymore and floods it because I still don't want to pay for this rental car <laughs> and the rain lets up I, I get out of the car to assess the situation and I'm in, in this flooded ditch deep. But as I'm standing out of the car, I look in the opposite direction that the tornado had just gone. And I notice these clouds swirling over the tree line in the opposite direction. And I said, that looks an awful lot like a wall cloud on the other side of me. And I, it, it was moving, the clouds were moving so fast, I knew for sure Holy cow, there's another tornado forming on the other side of my car. Well, this is how I survived almost being in a tornado. And there may be another one just down the road. Oh, shoot. And sure enough, this is the one that I think most storm chasers got, was the second Canton tornado touched down on the other side of my car and moved into town. So I'm stuck in this ditch in between a mile-wide wedge that just went through And then a second wedge that formed and moved into Canton. And at that point, I just lost all sense of reality. I I had no idea what was happening. The day was just so chaotic already. And all these massive tornadoes were touching down. It felt like a really bad dream, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the only way to describe it. Like, anything that could go wrong was going wrong. And stuff that should not be happening, like two wedges moving on either side of my car, were happening. And so I just kind of was just floating through reality at that point like okay I don't know what's going on I don't know how I'm getting out of here but stuff weird stuff is happening.
1: Yeah, it just incredible Gabe. I mean, what a what a, a wild experience. I mean, you you if you want, you can watch Gabe's experience. Um we'll post the video in in the show notes. Which he's he's very graciously, I mean decided to share you know with the internet, and I think it is it's a harrowing experience to to hear it. I mean, I, I recently just watched it, um and just hearing my friend in that state is is it's hard to describe. It's really hard to describe, man. Um,
0: yeah, so uh, I sat in the in the ditch, um, I got back in the car when I noticed that second tornado moving through, the rain picked up again and hail came in and sat in my car. And I knew at that point I was okay because this tornado was going on the other side of me. So I was just sitting there waiting for someone. And about, I think about 30 minutes later, a car came pulling up racing down the road and I I flagged them down it and they were driving to where uh, I had seen Jeff go last. And the woman stops and she says, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I just need help getting out of the ditch. And she said, I can't help you. I'm sorry. My grandmother's house just got hit by a tornado. Mm -hmm. And I said, don't worry about me then. Keep going. Mm -hmm. She said, you sure? You sure? I said, yes, please keep going. And she drives off in the direction that Jeff had gone. Um, And then about five minutes later, a neighbor from uh, whose house I could see just down the road Uh, I didn't realize anyone was home. He came out. He checked on me. He happened to have a tow line and got me pulled out of the ditch. I will forever be grateful to that guy. I pulled the car out, no problem. I thanked him. He went on his way uh, in the direction that the second tornado had gone. And I got in my car and I said, All right, Jeff's just down the road. I'm going to go meet up with him. And this day will be over. I drive down the road and I had parked basically right at a bend in the road so i couldn't see more than a quarter mile down the road i go around this bend in the road and as soon as i go around the bend there is a mile wide path of ef4 destruction right in front of me it what you could see off into the distance just the trees were sheared there was no vegetation and the houses were completely leveled and i could see off in the distance on this On this hilltop probably two or three miles away all of the first responders were stuck two to three miles down the road because of all the debris so i'm pulling up to the damage path 40 minutes after this tornado goes through driving in the direction that i thought jeff was going to be and here's this mile wide damage path first responders haven't gotten there yet and in that moment i was convinced that jeff had gotten hit by this tornado and so, the terror of me dying in a tornado was quickly replaced with the fact that, oh my gosh, I think my friend was just killed by this tornado. And I immediately got out of the car and ran into the damage path. And it's a mile wide. And so, I'm, I'm running this mile wide path, jumping over down power lines and seeing some neighbors on the side of the street who were just sitting in front of their completely demolished home. Like it was just completely crumbled to the ground. Uh, There were three women there who had uh, blood running down their heads, ran up to them and asked if they're okay. They were in complete shock. Um, I don't know that they were fully aware of what was happening. They seemed to be okay. I just told them, please do not move and kept running. And this whole time, I'm looking everywhere, looking for for Jeff's car around a telephone pole, upside down in a ditch, in the field, you know, eighth or quarter mile away, just looking for signs of his crushed vehicle so that I could go find him. And um, running this path and all of a sudden someone yells out from a house that had been damaged um, heavily, but most of it was still standing. Um there was a man in his wheelchair who was trying to get out of his house but there was debris getting caught up in his wheels so me and another neighbor helped him out into the road where he c- could get around. There was another neighbor who whose house had been spared and he had his four-wheeler and so I sent him to the three women that had gotten injured. And all the while trying to figure out how in the world am I going to find Jeff and all of this. Mm. So the man with the the four-wheeler I I got his cell phone and um The only number I knew by heart was my wife's number and my parents' number. And so, those were the numbers that I called. My wife didn't answer her phone because she doesn't do that. (laughs) And (laughs) my parents answered and I'm trying to figure out how in the world I can get in touch with Jeff or someone that knows Jeff without freaking someone out. And so, it's the classic call to your parents where you answer with, everything's okay. I'm fine. And It's the worst they, thing you could possibly yeah. say. <laughs> As yeah. a parent, yeah. That's not at all what you want to hear. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out a way for them to track down Jeff's wife's number and get her to somehow call him without saying like, hey, Jeff might be dead. Uh, it was failed attempt after failed attempt to try to get some sort of communication with Jeff. Um, and the whole time just being convinced that his car was somewhere, had gotten thrown somewhere. Um, and so I ran back the other mile back to my car, and I remember, I remember this one moment, and I'll never forget it. I, I was alone on this hilltop in the middle of this EF four damage path, and I heard these screams coming from a collapsed building, and it sounded like a baby, honestly, and I was, like, just struck with terror. So I, I knew I was like, I have to go see what that is, and I'm terrified of what I'm about to see, so I walk up to this damaged collapsed building, and there screams, and I start to go in, and I realize it's a barn, and I saw animals, um which was an awful sight, but honestly, you know a relief that it wasn't a human being um and so you know love animals. I was still looking for my chase partner. That was my number one priority. So, I left the area. But I'll I'll never forget um, when I walked away, there was this baby goat and it latched onto me in that damage path and it followed me everywhere that I went. And it was just such a surreal... Between that and the sounds and the smells just this, I can't even describe the smell natural gas leaking and there's the smell of torn earth and and buildings and then this baby goat following me around everywhere it was just this crazy surreal out of body experience um and hot back in the car and I felt so awful leaving those people behind but I knew the first responders were going to be there and my priority at that point was I need to find Jeff and make sure he's alive like That's my responsibility. So the only way I knew to get in touch with him was with my laptop if I could find internet. Little did I know that the town had just been hit with multiple tornadoes. The power was out everywhere and I drove everywhere to try to find internet and there was nothing. As a last resort, I hopped on the highway and I start driving east out of Canton. I'm 100% convinced at this point that I'm driving away from Jeff's body which was the worst feeling i think that i've ever had but i needed i needed to call to make sure so i'm driving east looking for power and i finally get to a town that has power and i pull out of the highway and the tornado sirens go off there and it was just like it felt like the tornadoes were following me at that point and i could not see anything on radar it was so disoriented i had no idea what was happening weatherwise i just knew I had to keep driving east to get away from everything. So I get back in the car and I got to the next town. And that was the town that I finally met some other storm chasers who happened to have a Wi-Fi hotspot. And they told me, yeah, man, connect. I They had no idea what was going on. I I feel bad to this day because I'm sure I was like just totally out of it meeting these guys for the first time. I honestly, I know I've met them again several times and they have told me, I cannot for the life of me remember who it was because <laughs> like, I was just, the, the state of mind I was in, I don't remember anything except for sensation.
1: Yeah, you were in shock, dude.
0: Yeah. Um, and I finally connect to the internet and uh, tried to call Jeff's phone nothing would go through. And so I finally, at long last, decide I'm going to call Jeremy and fill him in on what's happening. And I call and he answered and I find out what actually happened to Jeff.
1: Thanks, Gabe. We're going to leave it on a cliffhanger uh, this week. Uh, This is going to be a two-parter. So join us in a couple weeks to hear uh, the end of the story and also Jeff's experience throughout this because He had his very own surreal, incredible experience as well. Um, Thank you so much, Gabe, for that story. Um, It's such a powerful, intense, insane thing that you went through. Um, I
0: really, I I tell people this, I'm not proud of the decisions I made on this trip. There were a lot of mistakes I made, but also let this be a cautionary tale. Like check your motives going into storm chasing because they're going to drive decision making In either a healthy or an unhealthy direction Mm -hmm. and on this trip it was all unhealthy and it almost killed me
1: wow yeah i mean that's big of you man to 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 own that to realize that about yourself and um in my opinion it's, it's what makes you a great chaser and um yeah but these stories can obviously turn in the other direction very very quickly very very quickly so man just so thankful for you and that you're here and uh man uh, it's such a it's such a chilling uh tale wild tale um so yeah thank you so much for listening uh this has been the tornado trackers podcast follow us everywhere on social media we're at tornado trackers uh check out our videos on uh, youtube youtube.com tornado trackers all the videos we've talked about are in the show notes uh so that might be an easy way for you to find those But that's it from us, the Tornado Trackers. Um, I've been Jeremy Heyman, joined by Gabe Cox and Jeff Mangum. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.